0: and welcome back to the second season of the souls conquest i'm super excited for you guys to jump on on today's episode because we have another special creative from somewhere in this wide wide world who is about to share their story their journey and their souls conquest as you listen to this episode remember that we are here to inspire we are here to create and we are here to conquer now let's get on with it shall we Hello everyone. So today we have Kione Chong. Um, I'm sorry, did I say that right? I always mess up pronunciations. Yone. All right. So today we have Kion Jong um here on the Souls Conquest, the second season. He's an amazing creator, but I will let him tell you more about himself. First of all, thank you so much for coming here. How um has your day been?
1: Uh it's been really great. Um, really productive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of preparing yeah. to step into May, as we shared earlier, uh lots of really strained yeah. energies in the air um but you know really staying grounded and focused and and continuing to build keep the momentum
0: yes that's that's really, really important. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself because I want to have like the spotlight on you this is your time to shine, so
1: yeah, uh. Well, thank you. Um, I don't know, you know, where can I start? Uh, I well, let's start here. I usually like to start with this. Um, I am a Caribbean, Asian, African American, uh, first generation. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, and um, you know, I come from a very unique background. Uh, my family is Jamaican. Um, my mother is of African descent, and my father is of Asian descent. And so, um, you know, growing up and looking at the world and being raised in America, uh, I had a very uh, counter cultural um, upbringing, which I think leads me to have a very unique perspective on, uh, on just you know social and community and technology and all of the really interesting evolutions that's happening uh, in our society in this day and age.
0: That sounds amazing. I love that. I love that it was so personal. Um, thank you for sharing that. My next question for you is, can you share a little bit about your craft? Like what do you create as a creator?
1: Yeah, uh, I am. I consider myself a creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely an artist. Um, but my my skill set or my superpower is synthesis. Uh, it's brand strategy. It's the ability to really bring together very desperate, desperate, disparate and unique ideas together uh, in, and weave them into like a symphony of messaging, into a symphony of value, um, into really unique uh, experiences and um, helping tie those experiences with business goals. Um, you know, I, I look at branding as the matching between culture and commerce,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, finding a way for, for both sides of that equation to grow uh, harmoniously and in authenticity.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Why do you create brands in particular, right? Like why, what's the fascination with
1: it? You know, that's a really great question. And my fascination with brands really started with my fascination with self Mm -hmm. uh, to really come into my own self identity. Um, And so, you know, I shared a little bit earlier uh, the really unique uh, aspects of of my heritage and my upbringing. Yeah. And, uh that really started this search for me uh in in my early 20s for identity and for me to understand who i am you know like understanding okay i am jamaican and i and i get that um and i understand that i am of african descent and i am of asian descent you know my father is cantonese and so i'm very familiar um you know with with the cantonese culture and Kowloon bay you know and all the places where we come from and and the rituals within our culture. Um but what I really wanted to understand was, you know, like what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. How does this really define who I am and how can I take ownership of that um in in a culture that is so materialistic, right? right. That that requires this uh compulsive definition of identity through products. Right. Uh and, um yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's really the world that we live in. And it was very confusing for me to make sense for myself. Um, you know, being Caribbean, you have very different values than African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, there's this rift that I always experienced between uh, many of, you know, my African-American peers and myself, and I couldn't place it. I I, I couldn't make sense of it. Um, but as I grew older, I started to really understand that it was uh, it was a, opposing values at time that really set us apart, and that's what made it difficult for us to communicate at that cultural level. Yeah. Uh, but in that search for that, you know, sense of self and my identity, um, I really started to understand culture. Um, I really started to understand identity, and I started to see how that related to branding, how that related to building businesses, Um, you know, and so uh, in my life, you know, my my career path started in engineering um, and then it moved into anthropology and journalism uh, and then from journalism, it moved into entrepreneurship uh, and business. That's so uh, technology. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just saying that's like a crazy process and I love it. I love that journey. (laughs) But yeah, please find it.
1: It, it, it. Yeah, it, it's it's really unique. Um and it gives me really interesting perspectives, you know, that that, you know, are, are very polarizing in this day and age. Um, you know, a lot of uh typical advertisers and branders, um, business developers, we have very conflicting views uh in the world and how to pursue the building of businesses um because of my experience and because of my unique background. Um but I revel in it and I own it. You know, I I really feel like I'm ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah. You definitely are with all the stuff that you put out um, with the design therapy and stuff like that. That's like a whole other thing. Um, But I have loved the journeys that you have shared over there and the journey that you have shared with me right now. Um, You have answered this question, uh, question a bit in the previous answers but if it is not too personal to ask why is it so important for you to find out who you are as a person and where exactly if you can pinpoint did that search start
1: um oh got my printer going off all right and it stopped okay so then let's continue i didn't want to have that background noise while i was talking (laughs) so so let's dive into it so the question and it's what i'm hearing is um is it about identity like why is it so important to know who you are yeah um and how to start that journey
0: yeah how did, how did you that start that journey? journey like um it- how did yeah, start yeah. That journey? yeah.
1: <clears throat> so here's why i think it's important i think it's important because uh i think leadership is going to be leadership and creativity are going to be the i, I believe the two most important skill sets for the next 100 years
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and leadership Effective leadership starts with a sense of identity and a sense of self right Um, in the Academically speaking in the in the psychological field in America um, They have this concept of identity being a thing that is achieved Meaning like you actually have to go through trials and tribulations to understand who your identity is Um, And I believe in understanding your true identity. You are really anchored into your values And that allows for you to make decisions based on values as opposed to profit or fame or ego or any of these other narcissistic Mm -hmm. uh, tendencies. Yeah. Um, And so when you can really enter into your values and make decisions around your values, that allows for you to build, you know, really authentic communities. Right. And, um, you know, values will always lead a community. Right. So that's why I think it's so important, particularly in the space of design. you know the most and i learned a lot of leadership uh lately from creatives um you know and i believe that creatives bring the probably most powerful kind of leadership that there is possible because you start with an empathy you start <laughs> with an understanding
2: yeah. um
1: and it's a human you know it's a human understanding and expression that you start leadership with um now uh now where does this journey start? Um you know that's that's a great question and it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. For me my journey really started in my mid 20s. Right. Uh but I know I you know I'm I have peers that uh from a very very young age, you know, had really understood leadership and have been able to quickly accelerate in roles of leadership. Um there are some early 20-year-old, mid 20-year-old, you know, um executives uh, at Facebook that are leading design, that are leading social, um, particularly in the marketing space. Uh, There are tons of really powerful young creatives and influencers that are really exciting. Uh, So so when I think about where the the path of leadership begins, um, I think it's less about how old you are, and I think it's more about the mindset about committing to really understanding who you are um, to really processing your trauma
2: mm-hmm. and your pain. Yeah. Uh,
1: because I believe a lot of uh your values and insights come from those experiences more than any other experience.
2: Yeah.
1: And um and then it's a lifelong journey, you know, it's this thing that you're always going to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you wake up one day and you're like, All right, I'm gonna <laughs> be a leader. Let's go.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's an arduous path, and true leaders are chosen right. uh you know they don't they don't just say, I'm going to be the leader mm-hmm. uh individuals reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, uh we respect your leadership uh skills, and we would like for you to lead us into this new space into this uncharted territory yeah. into the future,
0: yeah, that's amazing now, there was one thing that really struck with me, and I wanted to ask you, so you see that um creatives. Are better suited to be good leaders. Um, and I wanted, and you spoke about values. So I wanted to ask you as a creative, how much do personal values and business values overlap while you are in a leadership position?
1: So the best leaders, uh, those values are already in alignment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, it's why we it's why founders uh you know, and we see this time and time again, founders will really lead a company through its early growth phases, but as the founder, you know, maybe matures or moves into other aspects of their life, Mm -hmm. uh, the business, you know, tends to shift dramatically. Uh, We've seen that with Apple and Steve Jobs. We've seen that with Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. Um, We, you know, we see that constantly. And really what that's about is that's because generally speaking, the founder, the one that's really driving the vision, and the people in the culture and really setting the tone, uh, their values are in alignment with the brand, right. Um, right? When you have leaders whose personal values are out of alignment with the brand, uh, that's when you start to have uh, challenges. And this is why uh, in brands in culture, you know, there's this thing called Dunbar's number, mm-hmm. which is a hundred, it's approximately 150. And that means that, uh, we, as an individual, can have approximately 150 deep relationships. Right. Anything beyond that, um, things break. It's hard to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, either one side looks at the relationship as disingenuous, or the other side looks at the relationship as uncommitted. You know, there's there's all kinds yeah. of uh, opportunities for miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just because we can't scale deep relationships. Now, in businesses. Uh, generally speaking, healthy businesses, you know, on average, I think in the United States, it's like 250 employees yeah. uh, for a mid sized company. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that one leader cannot have 150 deep relationships within the company.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, what that yeah. means is that uh, they have to entrust other individuals to lead. And so if you're a founder and your values are aligned with your company, um, but then you hire somebody whose values are not aligned with the company, what you start to create is a dissonance, right? They're, now you're starting to see gaps in the way that rituals are are expressed, the way that people feel about the company, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, sentiment drops, uh, motivation mm-hmm. drops, right? These are the things that happen when there's lack of alignment within the values. Um, and so it's super, super key when you are growing a company, when you're growing a startup, when you're growing a team, mm-hmm. that you focus on the cultural values first. Yeah. Skills, you know, when we are going, we're entering into an age where we're going to be re-skilling ourselves every three to five years. Yeah. That's going to be a fact of the workplace. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, But what will not be reskilled is values. Yeah. Who we are is always going to be who we are.
2: Right. And
1: so we really be able to to focus on making sure that uh, who we are that allows for us to be the best that we can be mm-hmm. are the same values that you keep within the culture of your brands and the culture of your businesses.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. As a creative, um, you know, how would you be able to kind of build a community where the values are aligned? Um, with your personal values your brand values as well as the values of the people who are in your community if that made any sense would you like me to rephrase that
1: yeah so let me see if i understand the question you're saying um how do you build alignment in values between you know your community your employees you know mm-hmm. your owners of the company yeah. fans of the company mm-hmm.
2: uh, So the answer to that,
1: in my eyes, is um, our rituals of expression. Yeah. Uh, it is the ability to uh, take a value and to express it in an authentic way and to be able to share that expression
2: mm-hmm.
1: with everyone within the community and allow for the community to, to then take that expression and remix it. Yeah. Um. How Like, what does that look like? um so what does that look like that looks like um what is great examples uh food mm-hmm. okay yeah so uh, we see time and time again here's a great example when your grandmother teaches you a recipe mm-hmm. and then the grandmother passes it to the mother and the mother learns yeah. a recipe and then the mother then teaches it to her daughter and then the daughter then learns a recipe yeah. and then that daughter teaches it to her daughter or her son or her father mm-hmm. now here's the thing that recipe evolves yeah. slightly
2: yeah with
1: everybody who does it right mm-hmm. and so the grandmother has her interpretation and then when she hands it on off to her daughter
2: mm-hmm.
1: or son right it doesn't really matter or they or them yes um they interpret it and they learn it and then now it is their expression and so the values of that gets translated down and down and down the line um that's a very like micro example of it yeah um, but it can happen on a mic- macro scale as well. For sure. uh, memes. Memes yeah. are a great example.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Right? Someone someone interprets a feeling, and an idea, and then takes it and then puts it out in a movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then somebody looks at that scene and references that scene mm-hmm. in real life to actual experiences that they have. Yeah. You know? I think memes are so unique in that it's more than the expression of an idea. Mm-hmm. It's also an expression of a feeling. Right. It's also an expression of a perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're really great because they're apl- applicable in so many different ways. So, um, yeah, you know, memes is a great way of that how that's happening at scale. Language. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this big uproar right now. About the N word mm-hmm. in America, yeah. and how creatives use it, mm-hmm. and how individuals who have always used it um, as a tool of oppression, and how they continue to use it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah, uh, culture has this remarkable thing where nothing is ever uh, nothing is ever static in culture. Mm-hmm. An idea or a meaning always evolves. Right. So a horrible word. Which has been traditionally used to dehumanize a community. Mm-hmm. That community was was ingenuitive enough, well, you know, was innovative enough to take that and say, you know what, we're going to create something completely different out of this, yeah. Right, yeah. And then they can run and they can use it, right. Now, the big, you know, the big challenge within the community and the people around language. Well, a language is always this fluid thing, mm-hmm. so. Whatever the de- definition that it began as is never the definition that it ends up as, yes, right? That's mm-hmm. a fact.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but what is really interesting is the perspectives under which, right? The perspectives confound individuals, yeah. There are African Americans mm-hmm. who detest the word, they say this word is horrible, we should never use the word, yeah. Um, but on the flip side of things, you have African Americans who say, I Love this word. Yes. They tried to use it as a tool of hate, and now I use it as a tool of love. Yeah. So stop, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have like Caucasians who have traditionally used the word in a negative way and want to continue to use the word, mm-hmm. but then they turn mm-hmm. around and then their sons and daughters are singing and rapping the latest hip hop song and calling each other those words, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's this incredible cycle of a. Uh, of it's confusion,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but what it to me, what it is, is it's evolution. Yes. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: It, it's we're we're sitting here and we're stuck in like this, we're we're stuck in between two phases of an evolution. Mm-hmm. Right. In a hundred years, how is that word going to look? Wow. That is wow. that is the real question, right? That's the real um, question. <laughs> and you know, and, and I'm sure that you deal it, you know, you deal with it too in your community mm-hmm. because of the colorism, right? Yeah. Um we both come from uh, developing nations and so you know there's that um there's that element of colonialism that yeah. always said that oh, yeah. like the lighter that you are you know yeah. the more caucasian that you are that the you know the 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 better that you are you know yeah. the more socially acceptable you are
2: yeah
1: um you know like in some parts of china for example there is the uh there's the obama um shade right right which is this crazy thing that I just um, learned in this documentary that I was watching yeah. um, about uh, about uh, the African diaspora in China and mm-hmm. being of African descent and growing up and living in China and the kinds of experiences that you have in it. They reference how, you know, like if you're darker skinned, you definitely deal with, uh, uh, you know, more of a pushback than if you're lighter skinned. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this is something that is, you know, happened close to home, but, you know, there's also like this idea on how you can express yourself. Yep. You know, like I have, you know, I have light hair, you know, yeah. it's blonde in some parts, right? Uh, you know, and there's some people who were like, Well, you can't be you can't be a revolutionary, mm-hmm. you know, you can't fight for the power because you have blonde hair and right. you dyed your hair, and you're like, Well, what does that mean? Yeah, right. Does this mean that I can't express myself as mm-hmm. I choose to express myself outside of any kind of you know, uh, idea of what it means to be black or white or just human. Like, my creativity should afford me the ability to express myself in however I want to express myself.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm not trying to chase after an ethnicity or any of these other things. I'm trying to express a creative idea that I have, right? Yeah. Why can't it just be a creative idea? Why does it have to sit in alignment with Oh you might be trying to be white. Or why do you, would you even think about Caucasians in the expression of my creativity?
0: Right. Oh right? my god, yeah. I love this.
1: Yeah, it, it, this is it's it's a really nuanced conversation about mm-hmm. creativity mm-hmm. um and your ability to be yourself. Yeah. Um and this all circles back to the original idea that we had when we talked about, you know, identity and what it means to be yourself. Yeah. And how to be rooted in your values.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh Society is always going to be like this shifting ocean of ideas and values and opportunities, good and bad, right? It's always going to be out there. Uh, But the challenge is, uh, how do you navigate that world? And you navigate that world through your values, right? You know, like if you, you come to a place and you're like, do I go right or left? Well, look at your values. What do your values tell you? Yeah. Right. Are you prioritizing people or are you prioritizing profit? if you're prioritizing profit, then you're probably easily going to go in one direction. Right. But if you're prioritizing people in your community, you're going to shift in another direction.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. that. was the best answer I could have ever hoped for. It was like 100 <laughs> times better than what I could have hoped for. Um, <laughs> amazing. That was genuinely so amazing because it made me relate to a lot of things that you were saying, right? Like um, the fairness of the skin and stuff like that, because that's super important when you're getting married. In India, that, oh my God, how fair are you? And I'm like, nah, man, I like it. I like myself as who I am. But Mm -hmm. then people go here, like, you'll never get married. I'm like, if people are looking at the color of my skin to marry me, it's probably good that I'm not going to get married. (laughs) Like, that's, that's not like, this is just, oh my God, this is just like pigmentation, is just melatonin and stuff like that. Like, what's that got to do with you being a person? And what kind of a person you are? I think that's like a whole another topic, and we could like talk about this for like.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. totally. You know, uh, colorism is a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's um, you know, I have friends in Nigeria that are dealing with it. I have friends in Jamaica that are dealing with it. Mm-hmm. I have friends in uh, Pakistan. Yes, so I have a uh, I have a friend from Pakistan, and you know his, you know, conversations with his aunts and um you know, like understanding, like, so his mother was um, a, a, comes from a very well-to-do family. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, has the correct family name. Uh, His father was a general in the army. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, like I remember being very young and hanging out with him and his cousins and stuff. And, you know, like Pakistani women are quite attractive, you know, and we've (laughs) had these conversations. And yes. I, I'll i never forget, you know, a very early conversation I had and, you know, I've been friends, you know, with Rameez since what, since sixth grade now. So, right. you know, I must have been 16 or 15 having these conversations yeah. and she's like, well, you know, one of the women, you know, we were hanging out at the mosque and... Yeah. Uh, Uh, You know, sneaking from from prayers and going to play basketball and all the things, you know, and talking to to all the girls. And and she, you know, like we had this full on conversation and she said, you know, she's like, I don't get involved with anyone that I'm not going to marry. And I thought that was really uh, I mean, you know, we're 15 years old and she's already talking about marriage. Uh, But her response was, um, but you have beautiful skin. And, um, you know, I know that my mother would like your skin color, and I remember like hearing that for the first time and being like really like what what is that you, I have really Father nice who... skin, yeah, yeah, like what i I didn't understand it at the time, uh yeah. until I got older and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, foreigners don't you know foreigners struggle, um but you know yeah. you can bring a really hey, amen because you're so light skinned yeah, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I, I couldn't make sense of it um, yeah but yeah colorism is, is you know really in colorism really is just colonialism you know
2: yeah it's yeah I
1: think. It's colonialism
0: mm-hmm. wow Whew. that was an exciting topic you know I can genuinely have like an hour long maybe more longer conversations about it but i kind of want to circle back to um your creative journey um mm-hmm. you did share bits and pieces about that but would you like to kind of dive deeper into that your journey as a creative
1: sure what let's,
0: was the first thing that made you go like damn maybe i want to create stuff
1: okay so let's start at the very beginning um yes. when i really when i came to understand that i was an artist it happened in fourth grade mm-hmm. um you know i'd always drawn um my father's very good with his hands my father's a handyman we've built cars together we've built s- crazy humongous subwoofers we've built houses you know plumbing electrical like you name it we've done it um oh. you know and it's it's a very jamaican thing like you you learn all the skills to do all the things that you need to do to take care of your house your car your family your electronics uh he hated that i was a, yes. uh that i became a you know an, an apple uh, aficionado because, you know, he really told me like, Kioni, if you don't, if you can't take it apart and you can't fix it, you don't own it. Right. Those were the rules. And, you know, as Apple is very, you know, like anti, um, anti self-fix, uh, Mm -hmm. but, you know, growing up, I, my parents got divorced at a very young age. I was in fourth grade at the time when the divorce proceedings began. And um, I really struggled to fit in. Uh, I struggled on a cultural level. I didn't really fit into everyone that I was with. Uh, I went to a school that was very affluent. Um, so most of the students there were Caucasian or Asian. Um, and they looked at me, uh, they'd see my last name as Chong and they'd be like, "Uh, you're not Chinese. I mean, you're Chinese, but you're not Chinese. Uh, African-Americans yeah. looked at me yeah. as like, you're black, but you're not black. You talk different. Uh, you're into a lot of different things. And so I was always in this mm-hmm. weird place where I I was what I called third cultured, right? You're like, you're American, but you're not really of America. So it's hard for you to connect and find those values. Um, at the time, I was a very mischievous young boy. And my teacher at the time, Mrs. Castellano, who was incredible, Marie Castellano, Uh, If she ever comes across this podcast, look me up. I would love for us to connect and just chat. Uh, You were interested in my life. Uh, And what she would do is she would give me these art projects. Um, And so like in class, because I was, you know, very, very ahead of the curve, I would do the work, you know, I'd be bored. Um, And so instead of me distracting the class, she would give me these art projects. Over time, um, she collected these art projects and made this whole gallery um, for uh, open house, which is when you know parents can come to the school and see what's going on. What was really interesting is each of these art projects were actually um, there were art competitions. And so she was going out and finding art competition, taking my work and entering them into these art competitions, and I started winning and uh, my mother there was a local excuse me. There was a local artist that was uh, at the school and had seen the gallery of artwork and was like, who had done this? Uh, the teacher informed him that it was me. And he was really excited. And he's like, I'd love to have you come down to my studio and like see how a professional, you know, artist operates. And I'll never forget it. My mm-hmm. mother looked at him and she's like, art doesn't make money, right? You have a real yeah. career. Doctor, lawyer, engineer. Damn. Right. Yeah. And... From that point, you know, I thought that engineering was a way, you know, I was really good at mathematics and the hard sciences and electronics. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get into robotics. I was like, okay, so I guess robotics is going to be my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and went to Caltech, uh, then went to Cal Poly Pomona. Um, and at some point at Cal Poly Pomona, I got to a point where I was like, this isn't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a class and uh we're talking about heat transfer systems. It was basically how heat in a machine can rob the efficiency of a machine. Right. So if this machine, this engine is operating at 95 degrees Celsius, what how does that impact, you know, the efficiency of the engine as a whole? Ridiculous question.
2: Mm-hmm
1: did the final. or I didn't uh, was it the final? I think it was in the midterm. I think of the midterm it was when I decided like this wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. Yeah. Um and had a huge shift and pivoted. Uh I pivoted to culture because it was something that was interesting to me at the time. I had just taken an anthropology class um and I had a couple professors that really shifted my perspective on identity and who I was. Yeah. And um my brother opened up a really, uh, a famous website at the time. It was called Nerd Swag, number one black owned tech blog in the world, really built on our lifestyle. So growing up, uh, you know, we were online very early on because my father had a computer repair store. So we were online on forums in, you know, the mid nineties, early, early on,
2: yeah. um,
1: you know, we watched the web, you know, web 2.0, we watched, you know, the dot com bus, like we, we lived it, we were like, digital natives at the time. Uh, That experience with my father uh, and having that access to technology um, and then our unique cultural perspectives is what really built that website. Um, I joined my brother and supported him on it. um, And that led to my career in journalism. From there, I went to work at LA Times. Um, I was an on-air correspondent for CTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, covering technology and cars and cover cool things that were out there um, in the world and that was a lot of fun um, mm-hmm. but what that taught me is it taught me the power of messaging and advertising and it taught me that what I needed to do was actually to get behind the curtain Right. Uh, what I wanted to learn was how to actually build the brands mm-hmm. so um, you know, I, I put my career on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother wanted to open up a restaurant. So I stepped in as the GM and opened up a restaurant, a Jamaican restaurant in Pasadena.
2: Nice.
1: Grew it up, you know, to a couple hundred thousand a year. Um, I, uh, had a marketing stunt and I got it on Gordon Ramsey's kitchen nightmare, Whoa. like did the O nine, nine. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's definitely one of my, uh, one of my, uh, you know, heartfelt experiences in entrepreneurship, because I went through the whole gamut. Yeah. Um, You know, I built it to success. And then I ultimately failed in leadership, because I couldn't find a way to, to, to collaborate with, you know, the financier, the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that I didn't have the skill set at the time to be able to do um, the exercises to be able to execute it, um, the frameworks and the mindsets to, to you know, to, to keep it Uh, in sustainable growth all that to say uh, I left that business and then I went and worked at Apple Mm -hmm. Apple validated a lot of my business principles it validated a lot of my creative a lot of my UX and UI advertising ideas killed it did my thing at Apple um, and it's where I met my first mentor my first real mentor uh, in my uh, creative career Tom Cordner, who at the time was dean of advertising at art center right And we had great conversations. Um, We would constantly talk about the market and what I thought. And then one day he just challenged me. He's like, you need to go out, you need to build something. You need to do something for yourself. Yeah. So I jumped, I left Apple. I partnered up with two two friends. We launched an agency. That agency grew into another agency, grew that agency. That agency grew into another agency, did that agency for a while, consulted, worked with a lot of big companies, Worked with a lot of startups Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately landed me to where I'm at today now, uh, building the system with, uh, you know, my founders, Jose and Mary.
0: Nice. I love that. Yeah, that was that was an amazing journey. Um, I think it was really powerful to hear you say that and it was really powerful for um, a very specific reason for me. Um, specifically, and I think this will be relating, you know, like people listening to this can relate to this really well, is the fact that, um, you know, you were not afraid to change or shift gears when you felt like something was not, um, you know, in alignment to what you want to achieve in your life. And that's something that's so powerful. And that's something that's super scary. But you did it, right? Like you shifted gears multiple times throughout your journey till you reached this place you were challenged and you kind of stood up to that challenge and you powered through and that was super amazing to hear. Uh,
1: yeah you, you know I think it's really important to highlight um, and this is why
0: uh-huh.
1: you know in our life you know we can do so many things uh, you know just because you have a skill doesn't mean that that's what you're supposed to be doing you know yeah. ideally you want to be rooted in your talent uh-huh. um, and your talent is a skill that you're good at um, but it's also energizing and, and, and it refreshes you and you know you you could do it at all times of the day yeah. uh, In any circumstance and for the most part, it'll be fun Yeah, there'll be times where you be like, oh, and you're gonna have to, you know, drag through it. Yeah, uh, but you can do it for the most part yeah. um, That's really where we should be at, you know, that's where you should be focusing your efforts
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: But to discover that and to find that it takes time um, it's not going to just be handed to you, yeah. um, and you're going to have to go through series of jobs to understand. Like, do I like this thing? We'll try it for a couple of years. Oh, well, I tried it for a couple of years. I didn't like it. Okay, but you may have learned something from it. Yes, I learned that I like to do these kind of processes. Okay, so align that with your skill set, and then use that in your next gig. Right? This is the process that you have. You actually have to evolve through
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the work that you do to find the thing that really resonates with you, that brings you joy. Yeah and it's not going to be handed to you, yeah. you know, you, you have to find it in life. You have to get out there, uh, try the different gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, as, and as Jose calls it, he calls it Jack Sparrowing it, yeah. you know, and, and, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, yeah. it's like, how does, how does he always make the mistake that was the right decision? Yeah. Well, the answer is simple. It's because the decisions the criteria that he's using to make his decisions are based on his values. Right. They're based on who he is, mm-hmm. fundamentally. Right. So if you always stay true to your values, like for me, like I knew that I wanted to build brands, but I really didn't even know how to articulate that. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. And so when I look back at my creative career, I started with journalism. I started like with the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And then From there, I dabbled in social media, liked it a little bit, didn't really like it a little bit, but I learned a lot, Um, did art shows, liked it a little bit, Um, actually liked it a lot, really started to learn about the community and art and design, got involved in the music scene, really loved that. Um, really understood that I wanted to work with creatives, wanted to work with founders, started working in the entrepreneurship space. That was really great. Worked at LA Times, like, eh, no. you know, I don't wanna be sitting here writing articles all day, but I learned a lot of skills and it taught me a little bit about um, research right. and how to execute at a very high level. You take that on to the next gig and it just snowballs and you just try all of these different kinds of jobs until you get to a point where you're like, oh, you know what? This is what's really great for me. Yeah. This is what I truly love. Yeah. This is when I'm happy.
0: Yeah. And that feels amazing, right? Like when everything kind of falls into place and you're like, this is it. That's amazing. Um, I want to ask you um, what do you hope yes. to achieve before starting a new project or before starting um, working on a new brand?
1: What do I hope to achieve? Mm-hmm. Um, are you talking about what I'm hoping to achieve now in my current space with this company? Um, no, like with the work whenever we're you doing? start
0: a new project, um, a new creative project, let it be brands or whatever it is that you're working on at the moment, what do you, you as a person, as a creative hope to achieve when you start a new project?
1: Mm. So the way that I'm reading that question is uh, outside of the project parameters, outside of what the project actually has, mm. Right. So I might be taking on a rebrand project and I'm just designing packaging for them. That's the work, Um, but what am I looking for it from a personal standpoint?
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Um, You know, it depends for up until recently, up until the last year, uh, all of the projects that I took on, I really wanted to take away some sort of understanding Mm -hmm. and for like familiarity with the space. Um, Like, here's an example. Uh, I've done a bunch of cannabis projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've done cannabis branding. I've helped, you know, launch a cannabis distribution company. Uh, I've done product development. I've designed my own cannabis products. Um, You know, like I've gone through just about every aspect of in cannabis production. Um, And I wanted to do that because I wanted, A, I love emerging markets. B, um, I think there's huge opportunity for our community, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in that space, and I love the the challenges of uh, emerging markets. You know, to see where the opportunities lie, yeah. uh, to see how yeah. you build businesses at this scale, um, to see where you can really create uh, companies that can impact communities, that can drive culture, and be profitable.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. So I'm always trying to learn how to do those things with every project, um, but I think depending on like where the project is, uh, it changes like my expectations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, here's an example. Uh, I had a project where I worked on it with a very famous film producer um, who's African-American mm-hmm. and the project that we worked on with him, I had a lot of promise. Uh, my personal investment in the project was, I thought that this could be a tool for our community um, and really, you know, create new opportunities, uh, in this work from home, uh, uh, you know, economy that we're living in, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, the pandemic is going to be ending, you know, probably within the next year and a half. Um, Americans have, you know, ha- are definitely leading the charge with vaccinations, but for example, India is on the other side of that threshold and India needs a lot of help. Mm-hmm. So the world as a whole has a long way to go before this pandemic is going to be eased, you know, before the restrictions are going to be eased. Mm -hmm. And as a result, that means that we need to really be careful about, um, you know, the ability to, to work in a decentralized way. Uh, So this was a platform that I thought could really um, supercharge that effort. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you know, and, and then I think just to answer the question, just in general, is that, uh, out of the work that I want to do, um, I really want to to shift the culture of design. Um, I w- I want to shift it to becoming more inclusive. Yeah. Um, Coming uh, to becoming, you know, like a, a, a what's the word? An adjective for leadership.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think ultimately, for for it to create better opportunities for those of us that have been disenfranchised you know for those of us that are darker yeah uh, for those of us that have suffered under like colonial imperialism Mm -hmm. uh you know i'd love for us to, to step out and start creating our own legacies as cultural creatives
0: wow that's beautiful um what do you hope people who are viewing you know your project will feel like post the completion of the project um so, like, what is the one thing that you aim for that the people will react to or um, will feel like when they view your project? Any project that you're working
1: on. You know, good question. Um, and I think it really actually falls down to how, how strong of uh, the strategic execution is. Right. Um, I think for me, like, I always focus on really high fidelity strategic execution, meaning that the work that gets executed um, has deep resonance within the community, within the customer. Right. Right. When a customer can look at it and be like, Ooh, yes, that speaks to me. Right. That's what I'm trying to build. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think the goal for me is in all the products that I work on is for me to be able to create a space where the customer feels safe, um, where their values, um, are, you know, are, are in alignment and, and they can empathize with the messaging, the product, the service, whatever it is, uh, uh, they can really feel it and that's the goal
0: why is it important for you that people feel that connectivity that um you know that really the feeling of being like oh my god this speaks to me why is it important for you
1: because i like to build authentic cultural communities
0: mm-hmm.
1: right
2: yeah.
1: or you know i mean we were, we were that i like to build authentic communities um that are built on their cultural values. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's important that um, when I do work, I don't want to seem like an outsider. I don't want to seem like someone that's coming in that's just making something or making a project just to make money. Yeah. Um, that's not the case. Uh, you know, when I take on our project, I really want to help the community, the audience, the employees, you know, the founders, the executives, uh, you know, mm-hmm. from, from the root to the tooth. You know, like I, I want for all of these elements to be in alignment and for there to be deep empathy, you know, that there's a resonance. Um, to me, that is the hallmarks of really powerful branding. And, um, you know, that's really the the kind of impact that I desire to, to create with, through my work.
0: That's beautiful. Um, you have shared your journey. I want to ask you, have you ever faced any obstacles during your journey as a creator?
1: Yeah, totally, um, and I think I faced all the typical ones that we all talk about: self doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I struggle to value myself. Um, at times, constantly, I have to always remind myself that I am valuable, that I am expensive, that I do need to charge this amount. Um, you know, the the challenge of managing time. Mm-hmm. You know, an output um, managing energies super super important. Managing relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, I don't know how many girlfriends I've had that are like, look, if you don't take a real job, I'm going to leave. Or, you know, yeah. our girlfriends like, yeah. you know, like, you know, like you are you're not working, you know, you're not taking enough pay for this, Keone. <laughs> and, you know, like, like all of those things, you know, are, are huge relationships mm-hmm. and dating as an entrepreneur is a huge thing. That's a huge challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, acceptance by family and parents, you know? Yeah. My mother is like, oh, you could have been an engineer and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I could have. And I could have also been extremely unhappy doing that work as an engineer.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, right? Uh, you know, these are all the, the typical challenges that we deal with being a creative.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, and I go through them, you know, I'm no special than anyone else out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to constantly remind myself to... to you know that you know you're valuable that you're powerful that you're creative that um you know that you you have a purpose here yeah uh on on this earthly plane and uh it's your mission you know to you know come hell or high water to deliver that to deliver that message to the world to the community to the culture to shift it Mm -hmm. so so yeah
0: that's beautiful what were some of the solutions that you came to kind of Um, fight or deal with these obstacles that you know you faced
1: you know the big thing is having a community Mm -hmm. you know having
0: family yeah
1: and when i talk about family i'm not talking about the family that you're born with i'm talking about uh the family that chooses you yes and so these are the friends that are in your life that you know remind you to continue to be creative Mm -hmm. and and you know are, are are pumped to see your creative practice uh, these are the friends that you have that you know will buy your product and service at full price and say, "No, I'm paying full price. You know, yeah. you're gonna take my money.
2: <laughs> you're gonna
1: take my money."
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> right. Yes. Um, these are the ones that you know when you're in a in a in a place of you know when you're creatively lost and you're in a rut that they you know they reach out to you and they say, "Hey, I was just thinking about you and I just want to remind you you know how powerful a creative that you are and yes. you know." impactful you know your thinking is and how much i respect you for your values uh you know you need to have those people in your life
2: yeah
1: uh you need to have that community um you know we as humans we're social beings and uh, our strength really comes from the ability to be social and to lean on each other um and support each other in times of need
0: well that that was beautiful i love that a lot um now as this is a spiritual podcast i think it would be awesome to know if you have like any self-care or spiritual routines that you follow not only in your daily life but also when you're working on a specific project or any project in general
1: Hmm. yes so i'm big on self-care uh jose will tell you i have (laughs) like a nine-step skin routine that i use constantly (laughs) i got um you know, it, it, it's part of the things that I do for self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, sports is super, super important. Um, you know, like I come from an athletic family. My mother is an Olympian. So wow. um, if I go for like a week, you know, it's been about a week actually since I've worked out, um, I need to get a workout in tonight.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but you know, if I don't work out on a regular basis, ideally for me daily, uh, then it, it really affects me and my mindset and my, you know, the way that I see the world and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Spiritual practices, meditation is key, right. key, key, key. Meditation is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, I do journaling just about every morning I write, I journal and I write to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I collect my thoughts. Um and the exercise that I'm doing this year is to take down my journal entry for the morning and then project where I'm at in a year. right. Like, where am I at? In, what does the world look like? What did? these feelings or concerns or fears or insecurities that I'm dealing with today, how do they get resolved in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, that's an exercise that I do. Well, um, the creative practice of creating, mm-hmm. right? Art, you know, design is one thing, you know, to do design for a client or to do design for someone
2: yeah.
1: uh, that's paying you, that you're getting compensation for, as you're building your career, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But art is creation for no one else but yourself, you know, for your own vision. Yeah. So I think that's super duper important and necessary. Um, let's see what else. And I think if anything else, it would probably be like uh, like testimony, mm-hmm. you know? And this is like finding someone that you know in your community,
2: yeah.
1: uh, that's maybe at the same level that you are, that you can provide help with, and and provide help for them, you yes. know? Mentor somebody mm-hmm. um, that can be young creative, you know, they're 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 just getting in the field. And they don't know, you know, they don't know, uh, yeah, color palettes. You know, they don't know mood boards from stylescapes from culturescapes. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but they need the support and they need the help. Reach out to them. Build those relationships. Yes. Um, tap into the youth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's the mm-hmm. most important thing that we can do. You know, my dad told me that the most important job that there is on this planet is to educate right to be an educator right
0: that's beautiful um what was one of your soul's conquest and what is shaping up to be your current soul's conquest
1: Mm. great question soul's conquest i think my greatest soul's conquest is is my ability to iterate Mm -hmm. right yeah constantly uh, I've had so many businesses. I've had so many businesses, yeah. and I, uh, you know, I, I get frustrated thinking like, oh my God, here we go again. Now I have to launch another business. Mm-hmm. But you get better and better and better at it. Yeah. Um. You know, and I've done so many businesses, and here we are in another business, and I'm back at it again. Mm-hmm. So, um. You know, my soul's conquest, I think, was really to overcome that fear that fear that you can't do it, or you shouldn't do it, or this is the wrong thing to do, Mm -hmm. uh, to overcome that fear uh, perpetually, and to continue to deliver, you know, awesome work and to continue to execute. So yeah,
0: that's amazing.
1: Wow.
0: Um, What is the one
1: thing that has happened
0: recently in your life that has created an impact on how you live?
1: Something in my life that has created an impact on how I live.
0: Yes. Recently, something that has happened.
1: Mm. You know, I'm going to talk about the pandemic.
0: Mm -hmm. Go for it.
1: You know, it it really, it was a huge pivot point for me. Uh, At the start of the pandemic, I was in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I was... um, I was thinking about ending my career and the work that I was doing and I was thinking about going in and just working for an agency and just getting a nine to five and just getting a salary,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just being one of those, you know, six figure schmucks that mm-hmm. you know that sits there and just gives up on their dreams and just like, okay, I'm gonna do what's safe and build a family. Yeah. And um I I broke out of that. Um and I started investing in a community and I started educating. Mhm. And I made the leap and the jump and I'm a year in now and it's been a remarkable journey. Um, you know, and the pandemic has really taught me uh a whole lot about who I am and who my friends are and the people around me and you know, the world that we want to live in and you know what what the next step in my career is. Um
0: yeah.
1: and so yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely the pandemic.
0: Wow, amazing. Um, One last question. What is the one last thing that you would like to leave my listeners with?
1: One last thing. Ooh. Okay. I'll say this. You know, one of my big goals in my life was to peek behind the curtain of Oz, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. to see what big brands look like when they're building their products, to see what Nike looks like when they're developing their shoes,
2: uh,
1: to see what uh, Tesla looks like when they're designing their cars and launching their cars, to see what SpaceX looks like when they're building their rocket ships, um, to see what Facebook looks like, what Twitter looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. Sony, you know, I've had the distinct advantage of being able to look behind the scenes and seeing how these companies are built and seeing how they operate. Mm -hmm. And... The truth of the matter is, you know, there is no like special education that has helped them, you know, help these companies grow to help design these products. There's nothing like unique out there. There's no special formula that's hidden. Mm -hmm. Um, All super, super accessible. And what I've come to understand is for us to build uh, businesses that can compete with the Facebooks and the Nikes and the Sonys of the world, you know, with the Teslas and the Model Xs of the world uh, we don't need to be, you know, some huge company with a ton of VC money behind us. We can start right in our own communities. You can start right in your rooms. You can start on, you know, the the, the three-year-old Android phone that you have. You know, mm-hmm. like the tools, technology for us as creatives to build the most fantastic, you know, products and services out there, to build the most powerful companies, to revolutionize the way that we live our world the tools are there now and you don't need yep. anything special you just need wow. the belief you know you need to have uh, the trust in your creative um, yeah. you know, the faith in your love for community and this vision and uh, and the belief that anything is achievable you know the yeah. the software that we're on the the, the mic that I'm speaking on uh, the, you know the product that changed my hair color, the glasses that I'm wearing, you know yeah. the language that we're speaking, uh, yes. you know, the, the the internet protocols that is sh- you know that is sharing this data back and forth between ourselves. Like mm-hmm. all of these things, at some point or another, were just an idea, just an image yeah. in somebody's head. Um, and each of us can can take these ideas and pull them out of our head and bring it into this material world and build these fantastical things. Um, and I don't want for you to think that anybody else out there um, can do it better than you. So, yeah.
0: That was beautiful. This was a beautiful conversation. Oh, my God. Seriously, it's been so enlightening. I don't think I can sleep for the rest of the night because I'll be thinking back to the things that we discussed here. And I be like, that was actually so beautiful. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your thoughts, your journey, your obstacles, and all the things that you did to reach where you are right now.
1: Thank you so much, Madurima. You're incredible. I'm I'm honored to be on your podcast. Um, I'm so excited for the growth that lays in front of you. Um, The future is incredibly bright, you know, and I'm glad that you're part of it.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you genuinely so much for joining me today.
1: problem. Yeah, take care. You too. Peace. Peace.
0: Hey, conquerors! Thank you for staying here till the end. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, today's story, and today's journey. If you did, Please feel free to rate and review me on Apple Podcasts or reach out to me at Instagram at madhurima, that is M-A-D-H-U-R-I-M-A underscore soul coach. Feel free to take a screenshot of the newest episode release, tag me and put it up on your story with your review so that I can feature you on my Instagram. It would be my honored to do that it would be my honor to share your perspective on what you thought of this beautiful podcast remember we are here to inspire we are here to create we are here to conquer see you bye